Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation in the dark forest. Here we are in the dark forest. I think it's episode... 38. And the websites, of course, you know, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. There's a merch page. There's a, a donation button. If you've used it recently, thank you. People who have ordered uh, merch, I believe I shipped a bunch of stuff today. Thank you very much for getting a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt and a couple of uh, CDs. That's awesome. I am going to be on hiatus for a couple of weeks while I go to the Middle East to look around the Middle East and meet a bunch of soldiers, I guess. So uh, that's going to be lovely. Feel free to catch up on the old ones or listen again. Uh, the credits, of course. We have Pat Brady, who fixes the audio. We have Mike Rickberg, who just sang that song that you just heard. It's a good one. Sing along. And... Vilmos does the website, and Vilmos has his own podcast called Green Room Radio, where he interviews road comics. So listen to that. I am actually in San Francisco, sitting in the dining room of the Calhoun Picado household. Uh, welcome to the show, Bob Calhoun. Hey, how's it going? There we go. And uh, welcome to the show, Rosie Picado. Hey, Jackie. Welcome to your home, essentially, Jackie Cation. <laughs> yes. Welcome to our home. Welcome, welcome to fabulous Daily City in the suburbs of San Francisco. Is this that, a first tier suburb? Yeah, it's the border suburb. It's and basically, San Francisco, um, San Francisco has bans on several things. So we have, Daily City is a dumping ground for all the things that San Francisco doesn't want in is it. Is this where like, the smokers move? Like box stores uh, and oh. used car lots. Yes. And fast food restaurants. Like every fast food chain imagine. Is right in walking distance from here because you can't have them in San Francisco. They're very hard to get. It's very hard to get a fast food chain in San Francisco, and also there's no room for drive-throughs and things, so it's not as attractive. But also, you know, there's always anytime you try to put something like that in San Francisco, even the oh, there's ur- an outcry. The Urban the, Outfitters when they try to the put not it on in mission. my backyard situation. Yeah, right. You know, here's what San Francisco's never going to have to do: what Portland and Austin do, which is to keep San Francisco weird. Right. Uh, it's all working out for you. Uh, you don't need to keep anything weird. You're, it's already weird. Even the rich people. People are weird. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they might ruin things with gentrification and stuff, but they're still like, we know some rich people in San Francisco and they're, <laughs> they're plenty batty too. You are, know? They, right. are they, uh, are, are they just like normal people, rich people in San Francisco? Are they just like regular folk? No, they're no. weird. Oh, they're also, they're, they're also weird. But are they differently? Cause I was on hate. I did a show on Monday at hate Ashbury. Oh, you guys came. We, yeah, were, there. Yeah, we yes. were there. Yeah. And that was so crazy. It was because crazy. of how wealthy the homeless children were <laughs> yes. that were asking me for money. I was like, really? They're all very well-dressed. They seem kids. very well. They don't well, seem homeless. They seem like they're going to be taking. That's specifically hate street. That's a special very, kind of. It, it's the homeless. cream of the crop of the homeless of the world. We're, we're going to work the tourism of, of the tourism nerve of, of the people who are trying to recapture 1967. Yeah. Uh, and come and And then we're going to take the BART back to our parents' house and <laughs> exactly. with our hundreds of dollars that we raised today by, asking people and it was crazy it was it it was interesting and then and then yeah um and then i did mill valley which mm-hmm. is a, a suburb and then last night i did walnut creek 
Wow. A pool hall in Walnut Creek. How was Walnut Creek? Beautiful uh, Contra Costa County. It, Contra Costa. What is that? That's just one of the counties. The name it's of just the county. The county. That's yeah. the name of the county. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're a bit of a California county dork. Uh, yeah. Well, I I used to. I, okay, this is probably something <laughs> I should talk about. I used to be a researcher for the American Cancer Society, and my job was not to research people, but counties or or cities to find out who was dying of cancer in cities. Uh, well, that. But it was more like it was all about you know they, they do the, all that running you know cancer is all about people running and walking so the oh, relay oh, for life oh, right. to figure out like <laughs> like there was i forget where it was but it was some community in southern california that was like dominated by seventh day adventists so they needed to know that they observe the sabbath very strictly on saturday the right. traditional day of the mm-hmm, sabbath so mm-hmm. if you're scheduling a relay for life run for you're cancer on it on the sunday yes. so that the the, the seventh day adventists can come and and not eat meat and run yeah, and they, try that, to fix cancer too, because they're good folk. That's where the that's the turkey, the the fake the uh, fake turkey for Thanksgiving. The tofurkey. That's the tofurkey is kind of a hippy dippy thing, but like those wheat germ turkeys, those are those are the inventions of Seventh Day Adventists. Seventh, so it's so nice when when a religion gives back when it, it gives back to a people. Kellogg's, you Ke- know, what did Kellogg's true. do? The what? Seventh Day Adventists made, made uh, cereal. Oh, right, right. Oh, they what, push what? cereal on us. Oh, was that Kellogg? Mm-hmm. He was a Seventh-day Adventist? I believe so. All right. Huh. <laughs> fun. Off topic, but yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we haven't even brought up topic yet. Yeah. Think about, uh, now, Bob Calhoun, we've talked for uh, low on probably a year now, off and on. Back and forth, yeah. Back and forth, because you're friends with Greg Franklin. Yes. Who animated my um, my joke. That was an ad for my ad for my CD, right? Yeah, he, he did the the pet the LA pet owner uh, joke, the animal joke. It's a Six Point Harness Studio. Six yeah. Point Harness did it. Greg Franklin. Uh, we've all seen it. If you haven't seen it, for the love of God, how is that even possible? Because I've been pushing it like a crazy person. It's amazing. And he did an amazing job. He's a super funny guy. Right. And uh, but you used to wrestle with him. Yeah. Or you were in a punk band with him. Well, with him. We, was he it? was he was my guitarist for a while. Which my um my my band was uh, <laughs> Count Dante and the Black. Black Dragon Fighting Society, and I... I, I wish that were longer. That sounds like yes. a, what I would name an album. What's it called again? Well, Count, Count Dante was, was my name, and then, Count you know, the Black, Dante. The Black Dragon Fighting Society was my backup band, and Greg sure. was a member of the BDFS for a while. And, <laughs> Tell me who Count Dante was. Well, you know, it was the 90s, so of course I couldn't be creative in the 90s, so I had to steal it from something else. There was it's because you were in your early 20s. No uh, one could be creative in their early 20s. It's, <laughs> there's, it's, a rare, it's a rare breed who's someone who could be creative in their early 20s. But in the the 1970s, there was this guy named Count Dante who had ads in Marvel Comics for his world's deadliest fighting secrets, and he claimed to defeat the masters oh, yeah. of Aikido, Judo, Karate, <laughs> Savat in death matches. He made right. the boast that he that defeated he had killed them. people. Yes. Okay. And he was also a hairstylist for Playboy Bunnies? Yes, he was in Chicago. <laughs> he was a hairstylist. and Okay. Yeah. And so Count Dante, the band, different than Count Dante, Dante the, the legend. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Marvel leg- legend. But, of course, I have to do things in three dimensions. I was doing 3D before Avatar, you know, so I had to uh, I had to dress in a, a leopard print kimono, and I started doing Count Dante as a success seminar guru. And this was just with the band, but there was this show going on in San Francisco at the time called Incredibly Strange Wrestling, which was maybe a precursor to Lucha Vavoom, but a little more grassroots. Okay, I remember hearing about Lucha Vavoom from well, a previous guest, I think. Okay. It's a sort of a... 
what what is that? Tell me again. They're, they're luchadors, Mexican luchador wrestlers, okay, and um, strippers. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised um, they haven't. They, you, they get basically Lucha Pavum, and uh, this is with all respect to Lucha Pavum. <laughs> they're an aggregating service. They take Mexican wrestlers, masked Mexican wrestlers, and L.A. burlesque dancers, and, uh, and tele- mash that and up. Television comedians. It's always like oh, they've, Jeff Ross has hosted it before. Dana and, Gould told me about it. Kim and Blaine Capatch go and host some of that stuff right, uh, in right. L.A. Pat Oswalt's done it, I believe, and yes. you know. So, so th- just to just for full disclosure, I had <laughs> they were doing their first show in San Francisco, and I had stopped announcing for ISW, and I offered my announcing services, and I was told we have famous comedians, and you know I had already been hosting wrestling. And it at was nineteen ninety two, you know, but no, it was like they were doing their show in 05, and I stopped in 03, so it wasn't okay. So it was two thousand three famous comedians. Yeah, two, Who were the famous comedians? I don't know. Gallagher, you know. Mort, Mort Saul. <laughs> you know more. This is your Bailey. Wick. Oh, fair enough. It Ms. is my bailiwick. It is my bailiwick. Yeah. I think of it it's as a, a bailiwick. Word. It's a good one. Yeah. Nice work. Feel free to do Urban Dictionary at people. You can uh, do it. It's it's it might be on the C-SPAN dictionary. You know, it's a very it's, like it's a congre- congressman, southern congressman would I'm say. I'm pretty that. sure that the listeners of the Dork Forest have heard the word bailiwick before. Oh, God <laughs> almost bless them. Certain, almost certain. Or bless them with my lack of God. Uh, oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so did you? Now, you said you were an announcer for uh, an acronym. What was the acronym? Would that? Oh, uh, I was an announcer for Incredibly Strange Wrestling. At first, oh, incredi- I, that's what it stood ISW. for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At first, I was a. Um, at first, I, I, you know, I'm doing this this act, and you know, you you run around San Francisco in a red, white, and blue kimono or a leopard print gi, and everybody says, "Oh, you got to be a part of this wrestling show." And for some reason, I was reluctant, but then I ended up doing it. Um, Greg Franklin, your animator, right. also broke into the show at the same time I did, and he had a plethora of characters so um probably one of the reasons that stand-up comics like him to do his their animating so much i believe is because of his live live theater background (laughs) um in the ring and there was one match where i was now i like that you believe in him it's nice (laughs) i like you know because you have friends and you're like uh, that guy's great. Why don't you people know about that guy? So go ahead. There, I, Count Dante found God for a while when I was wrestling as Count Dante, and I, I became Dante the Baptist, and I started mm. wearing a burlap tunic, and I dragged a big, huge six foot cross in the ring. So Greg and, and you wrestled lions. Yeah, I wrestled the guy in a lion suit <laughs> who was managed by Flamius Caesar. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he be wrestled by a guy named Flamius Caesar? It's Flamius Caesar, you know, mm. and and uh, so um, eventually I had to fight the other gay characters in Greg Franklin. I'm outing Greg Franklin's fictional self as gay. Oh, no. um, Greg he's, was the, he's hiding it well with his marriage and his child. Uh, yes. yes, he there is. <laughs> um, he was the cruiser who's pictured on my book because, um, well, that's oh. another story. I'll explain right, right. it later. And your book is called Beer, Blood, and Cornmeal. Yes. Seven Years of Incredibly Strange Wrestling by Bob Calhoun. And, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks awesome. I, of course, have read nothing. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. What, what, what am I reading right now? It's there's not pictures, this. too. There's, oh, there's pictures. There's 32 <laughs> pages like, of color pictures. There's 32 pages in the middle. Are they in the middle? There, there, there's two sections. Oh, they gave me, they sections. liked the book enough. ECW Press liked the book enough to give me two sections of color pictures. And there's Very full nice. frontal nudity. 
It yes. is there. Yes. Uh, is, is it male frontal nudity yes. with dangle yes. genders yes. and everybody, everybody um, dangling around? Yeah, he who not, cannot not be named bombs, from the but dwarves. But, <laughs> I, uh, bombs, but the yeah, dwarves. Greg, Greg was the cruiser. He was a gay leather boy, and he was fighting me as the Christian. So we did a match, and it ended with me getting my hair cut. And, of course, I had oh, no strength anymore. Sure. So then he was able to win. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, he also did a character called the Ghost of Versace. You know, Versace had just been killed maybe a few months before. And, of course, but we kept doing Doing, going back to the ghost of Versace. And right, that, that, that's always going to play. Yeah. Because he could still be a ghost right now. And he would fight El Homo Loco sometimes, you know, <laughs> the, the whoever the uh, murderer of uh, Versace was, the stalker. So right. he had this whole El Homo Loco is stalking the ghost of Versace thing going on. So Wow. It's just, I mean, the whole idea, the only wrestling movie, like I didn't see The Wrestler because uh, it was too uh, depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, I saw a movie with uh, Henry Winkler about wrestling. <laughs> The Fonz. Uh, the Fonz yeah. played uh, a wrestler, and I believe it was in the 70s, and I will put it in the notes. What is the Henry Winkler? Um, uh, one and only. That's it. Thank you very much for playing. Well done. I don't have to look it up. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Judo Jean LaBelle, like my first, I actually have another book called The Godfather of Grappling. Right. And it was, um, it was uh, the autobiography. I basically took a bunch of tapes from Judo Jean LaBelle, who was a two-time Judo champ, and he went into pro wrestling, and he's also a stuntman. Okay. Like, That's uh, like, what he's most famous for, probably. It's a toss-up, but yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I've never heard of him in either case, but yeah. God knows I should have. Um, what was he a stuntman for? Everything. Everything. Yeah, he's <laughs> okay. still he's still doing he, stuff. He threw uh, Steve Martin in the jerk into the pool. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, that's amazing. Yeah. And what's his name? Judo Jean Labelle. L E. How how could I not? How could I not have Judo Jean Labelle? G E N E. Yep. L e b e l l. There you go. But um, he's he's one of the wrestlers in the one and only, and he fights oh, um Roddy Piper is in there, young Roddy Piper, and uh, is Rowdy Piper young Rowdy Piper is in the one and only? Yeah, he's one of um. um Wasn't that like from nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I had to watch these things because I'm working on the book, and it's you know, sure. y- you, you know, do your it's research. All research. <laughs> yeah. it's all- <laughs> and um um Henry Winkler, there's a part like he's basically becomes this gorgeous George type. Homoloco, flamboyant, you know, capes and, and robes and feathers kind of wrestler. Right, tall hair. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for a while he's doing a Nazi gimmick, so he comes out and he hits people over the head with a with a Nazi helmet, and so Roddy oh, Piper's right. one of the guys that Henry Winkler knocks out with a Nazi helmet. Oh, wow. I wonder if that's streaming on Netflix. I might have to be part and parcel to that again. But I want to see that, too. Um, <laughs> Carl Reiner directed that. Of uh, course he did. Oh, the Reiners. They're willing to put themselves out there, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Reiner, it just they and uh, I think they're like sort of, in my opinion, they're like uh, like a more credible uh, Gary Marshall in the Reiners. Uh, you know what? No one out there is going. What is wrong with Gary Marshall? <laughs> anyway, there's nothing wrong with any of them. They're the kind of movies that I love. They're like my favorite kind of romantic comedies. They're 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 silly comedy. You know, it's, it's yeah. a step up from Roger Corman movies, <laughs> which are also great. Which yeah. are also fantastic. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, Carl used uh, Gene in The Jerk, and he used him again in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. So Gene is kind of like must is kind of like Carl Reiner's Joe Pesci or something. You That's know? awesome. You know, or Rob Schneider, like Adam Sandler. Rob Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Carl was always working for Gene, trying to give Gene the the memorable the parts, but yeah. nobody remembers him. Yeah, the wrestling stuff. I've had other wrestling dorks on, but they're usually like fantasy wrestling, where where they they don't actually do it. So the physicality of wrestling is fascinating to me because you ha- you're in the ring, right? And it's choreographed and. 
Well, okay, for us, we we were like we like knew how to wrestle, like how to do work a professional wrestling match about as well as like some 16-year-old kids know how to play their instruments when they start their first band. Okay, so, so you guys were just kind of miming it or They were living comic book characters basically okay and there were a lot of the poses it was a dragon ball z like a live action <laughs> posing there was a lot of no i mean uh hanging we were, in air we were getting messed up i mean there was this one tour where greg was just one big bruise you know two weeks out on the road i mean right. you, you almost got more hurt because you didn't know what you were doing and right. they were still oh, people I were bet. still coming off the ropes because it's like the the berserker rage overtakes you so it's like you know <laughs> you, you just want that crowd response and after a while you'll do anything to get it how big it. were the crowds were they were they decent sized crowds, or um, was it like me performing for six people at a pool hall? Um, we had moments of that, you know, especially when we did. We ended up doing Van's Warp tour, and sometimes we'd have have a big crowd, but you're just another weird actor, another thing, like a side stage. Yeah. But you guys sold out the Fillmore. We sold out the Fillmore several times. There so. you go. That's something. Huh? Yeah. That's awesome. And what was the big dome in Canada? Oh, we did on Warped. We were set up in the Toronto Sky Dome. I don't know what corporate name it has now. You know, I think right, right. It might be the FedEx Sky Dome or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's where was it WrestleMania three? So it was kind of hallowed ground. It's where Hogan body slammed Andre. It was kind of <laughs> hallowed ground to pro wrestlers. It was sure. like an Indian burial ground to us, or Fantastic. going to Gettysburg or. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's you know. that's great. That's awesome. It's uh, what uh, so what so when did the book come out? When did Beer Blood and Cornmeal come out? Um, it's actually getting kind of long in the tooth. It's uh, three years old now. It came out in April two thousand eight. No, no, that's uh, that because you stopped in what two thousand five? You said or two thousand three? Yeah, yeah. So it, it takes a while to, and then it came out in two thousand eight. It's it's the kind of book I think that doesn't age. You know, I mean, it's 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 about freaking professional wrestling why would that ever not be something somebody wants to read uh, people are still reading about hulk hogan and right? all those guys and, and, and they or the you know the only wrestling i watched was back in the day with the the crusher it was a it was it was a different time in wow. the 70s my grandmother insisted it was real but there was baron von raschke yeah. who had the claw, claw yeah and uh and there was uh, the high flyers the greg Gagne, and uh and jumping jim brunzel i mean the thing is is that the the, the I only I watched him when I was little with my grandmother and she loved it. It was that in Days of Our Lives. She uh she lots of f- women into wrestling. It's it's surprising, you know. I only got into it when I met Bob, but right. um you yeah, didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about it. Yeah. But we started dating and he hands me a book and I'm like, "Okay, here's the last 7 years of your life. How many girls get that?" With exactly. The new guy that they met. I'm like, "Okay, well, he's insane. I could tell that, but in a good way." So Right, in a way that kind of fascinates. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That'll do it a pinch. I I, I like it. It's Let's talk about you, Rosie. Picone. Oh goodness! Yes. For God's sake, I love the fact that I got an email uh, from Bob saying, "Okay, so Rosie's going to be the other guest, and uh, <laughs> she's agreed to do it. She used to be a fan fiction dork, but not just any fan fiction. She wrote Russell Crowe fan fiction. Yes, yes. Russell Crowe fan fiction. Right. So, um, the fan fiction world is, is First of all, explain what fan fiction is for the nine people who may not know what fan uh, fiction is. It's very diverse, uh, world of, of, different fandoms and um you know there's all kinds of fan fiction so fan fiction is basically just somebody me writing somebody loves something yeah i love the star wars universe okay i want to write myself into it you're gonna write yourself into it sure 
you or, could do that, right? And, or make up your own character. You know, I want to live in that world for a little while. I want to have some adventures. Okay. I want more adventures with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. Right, right. Oh, stuff. so you can write adventures like you can write like sort of like the Star Wars books where sure. where Luke and Han have other adventures. Right, right? exactly. And I did this when I was a kid because all kids, you know, in the seventies were. You know, obsessed with Star Wars. I, I used to play a game when I was a kid called uh, Imagination. Right. And I uh, wrote myself into a lot of stuff, but I right. would just, I never wrote. I would yeah. just play. I would so just play we're it. taking it to the next step. I like Actually, that. Actually, writing it down, you can right. share yeah. with your friends. You can, you know, once the internet showed up, you could post it online, do all that right. kind of stuff. Did you do it before the internet? I did it before the internet. I did it when I was seven years old, when, when Star were, Wars came out. <laughs> when Star Wars came out, you were like, I'm going to do this. So I just aged myself, but. <laughs> That's fine. We're all aging. Yeah. There's nothing to be done. So, so uh, then, you know, the, Fan fiction is just, you know, fiction written by fans right, about right. a fandom that you love. And so, so what did you, can I just, before we get into the Russell Crowe thing, mm-hmm. which will be fascinating, <laughs> uh, what did you, what was your Star Wars thing? Uh, I just, I just wanted, as a kid, you know, right. looking you at the nice Star sky Wars. saying, please, you know, Han Solo, come get me, you know, I can't stand it down here. <laughs> I want to have some adventures, so I wrote myself as a 13-year-old girl who stowed away on the Millennium Falcon. That's awesome. And Why became you? part of the crew. I was always 12. Well, Whenever I was a child, I was like, I, for some reason, I thought 12 was a magical age. Well, where 13 I get, was my favorite number. That was it. I always thought I would get a motorcycle when I was 12 for some reason, <laughs> and then I could go out. How about you? Did you yeah. have one? Um motorcycle no no a, 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 an ideal age where shit was going to come together i think <laughs> i think as somebody who grew up watching star trek mm-hmm. i never thought of like my thought of myself as the teen hero i kind of always thought like you had to be practically 40 you oh, know to like, really have all the skills that you <laughs> were going to affect change with yeah like batman <laughs> or you know if you think about um shazam like uh, captain marvel mm-hmm. he's like this this teen kid and he turns into a full-grown man that that can fly around and oh, bend that's steel. Right, right. You know, right. and that's, when he says Shazam, he turns from a little boy into a man. Right? Like he's like twenty eight years old or something, or thirty years old. So mm-hmm. that that's where my mindset was. Is like, right, right. you know, you're you know. Han Solo's a few years older than Luke, and Han's always going to be cooler than Luke. So you kind of, I wanted to make the jump to Han. I didn't, I didn't want to be Jim Hawkins. I wanted to be Long John Silver. Okay, what is that from? Uh, Treasure Island. You <laughs> okay, know, there we go. You know, that's tre- reading. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's good. The, and I've read Treasure Island, but I haven't uh, read it in about 27 well, years. Well, Long whatever. John Silver's the villain. I mean, who? the problem with Treasure Island is Long John Silver is, like, chewing up so much scenery, whether you read it, whether you see that 50s Disney movie, that, um, you know, that I can't remember who the, you know, who those stern hero guys are. Right, that right. kind of goes, goes out of sight, out of mind with right, those right. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they all look alike. But, yeah, so, but I like the idea of, um, that we, because every, I think every kid does that. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you would actually, because I had a journal when I was a kid, but I never wrote fan fiction. Right. So when did you start? Like, what was the next thing you wrote after Star Wars? Um, started with Star Wars. Actually, I got into pirates and highwaymen and that kind of thing. Nice. But that was all based on uh, Adam Ant, you know, music in the oh, 80s, really? you know, because he had those cool videos. Sure. And stuff. So got inter- interested in that. You know, then kind of got into high school, got more of a social life. Uh, wasn't, right. Wasn't spending my lunch in the library. Right. You know, rocking and... back and forth down <laughs> into a million, like myself. Scribbling, scribbling, <laughs> writing exactly. my, my fantasy life. Right, right. I actually you, had a real life. You had a friend. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. always nice to get a friend. It's, and it's then nice like, to get out. Of let's the go somewhere yeah. and do something. Let's do something for real. Yeah. So when did you start writing Russell Crowe fan fiction? So that came um, much later. And right. when um, the internet was around or when, before? When the, yeah, in the early 2000s, um, let's okay. say. And um, 
So I, I, I had seen Gladiator about four times in the theater at a friend oh, said, right, right. wow, you must really think Russell Crowe is sexy. And I said, well, you know, he's a good actor, but I don't really think he's sexy. And then I had a dream uh-huh. that, that proved to me that Russell Crowe was sex indeed. on legs. Right. And, it was uh, indeed sexy. you know, I was married at the time having the seven year itch, you know, things weren't going very well between us. And, uh, I found the Yikes. internet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> found the internet and found that I oh. wasn't the only girl in the world who thought that Russell Crowe was sex on So were you writing like sexy fan fiction? That's part of the fan fiction world. Yes. Is Actually, it Slash? That or erotica? Is, What's it? That's Slash is a technical term for, I, uh, I think it's mostly homoerotic. Okay. It's so more, it's, it's, it's basically like Kirk on Spock. They, okay. It, that's what the slash is from. Oh, I get it. But, you know, it's whoever so slash it's not, whoever. So it's not uh, Dennis Quaid slash Jackie Cation. Uh, it could be, I guess, <laughs> uh, but I think it's mostly but male, It's mostly male. girl, girl, boy, so, boy. So, there yeah. are, this is going back to another, there there seems to be this trend like Rosie was in into um, the Russell Crowe fan fiction mm-hmm. um, during the, the waning years of her her previous marriage. Mm-hmm. I had another friend who was going through a divorce who got really into Dawson's Creek right. fan fiction. She was just writing rivers of Dawson's right. Creek fan fiction really? back in you know two okay. the Vampire Slayer, sure. always Lord of the Rings, you know Star Wars, think, Star Trek. I think of it as sort of a, a, a like a sci-fi fantasy kind of thing. I yeah. rarely think of it as. Um, Dawson's Creek. Gee, I wonder what the characters of the Gilmore Girls are doing in their downtime. But I bet you it could be anything. Any kind of fan uh, fandom. And didn't you find a a fan fiction site of Hawaii Five O? Oh yeah, old ladies writing Hawaii (laughs) Five O. Yeah, old ladies writing Hawaii Five O fan fiction. And and just like you know, what do they say? Eighty percent of the internet is is porn. Yes. That um, you know, so eighty percent percent of fan fiction is is is, is a little porny. You know, it's uh, Maria Bamford has a question about your your love of. Uh, Russell Crowe talked to her today. Okay. She wanted to know, uh, she bought a book, uh, she bought a movie on uh, at the Goodwill for a dollar on VHS. Cool. Uh, and it was called The Hammer and the Anvil. Have you ever seen ha- that? Hammers Over the Anvil. Hammers Over the Anvil. I think that's what it's called. And yeah. uh, she said Russell Crowe played the sexiest retarded guy in the world. <laughs> well, I don't know if he was retarded, nope. but... He was a young guy, young East, and yeah, so it was kind of a cougar story, the early, He was you know, nude on a guy, horse in like the first Younger guy, minutes. older woman, yeah, nude on a horse. Okay, nude on a horse. There was a lot of fan fiction <laughs> written about that movie. <laughs> was there? Yes. All right. Yes. It's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, see if that's on uh, Netflix. Hammer <laughs> that's a over good one. the anvil. Hammers over the anvil. Hammers, plural, yeah. over yeah. the anvil. All right, then. Look it up. Look it up, folks, because that's something. And so, but it was Gladiator. You got a lot of Gladiator. And then you go back in time and watch everything that he was Oh, yeah, in. yeah, absolutely. What was weird was that I realized I had quite a few movies of his in my collection already. Um, I had Such The as. Quick and the Dead. Oh. Okay. You know, with the star Wait. Sharon Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio and Sam Raimi directed Gene it. Hackman. Was it based on a Louis L'Amour novel? Uh, no. It's no. a Western. It, 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 it's Sam Raimi, so it's um, it's, uh, it's a woman, it woman gunfighter. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, then it Sharon is not Stone. based on the... No, it's not. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. That so, Quick and the um, Dead. The Quick and the Dead Louis L'Amour one is about um, the first fa- fast draw. Actually, I think it was called uh, the first fast draw. Never mind. Oh, okay. And we move on. Uh, yeah. She has the jacket that Russell Crowe wore in the, it wasn't in the quick and in the, the dead. Quick and the dead. Up yeah. in the oh, really? We'll, so we'll show it to we'll you, show that you, to you later. I bought right. that at an auction back in the day, I, uh, the dot com days when I had money. I told a friend of mine, like, yeah, that that outfit he wears in uh, Quick and the Dead is up in our hallway, and my friend was like, 
Well, it could be a lot worse. You know, you you could have Ben Affleck's military uniform from Pearl Harbor <laughs> hanging up in your hallway. We have a costume from an Academy Award winner. Yes, exactly. Right yeah. there. Hanging in your... And what is it? Just a like a leather jacket or something? No, it's it's the whole priest outfit that he wears. Oh. And I also have the gun belt that he um, wore in 310 to Yuma. Okay. So mm-hmm. that was the extent like of my obsession. That's right. where it went. That's when I ran out of money. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's it's very hard to buy like a weekend with with Russell Crowe where mm-hmm. we're because you you can get something thrown at you just yeah. in passing. Yeah. But, well, uh, now that he's married, yeah, it's a little harder. It's a little harder. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but but so in my yeah. fan fiction days, um, so I met a, a bunch of women who were all interested in the same same thing. Or we were writers. Okay. We were interested in this world of the characters that. Russell Crowe played. We didn't write fan fiction about Russell Crowe the person. Oh, that's really? A, some people do, and that's okay if you want to sure. do that. I thought it was a little intrusive. I didn't want to go there. Oh, did you feel okay? That okay. was just. It does feel. It does feel like a little bossy. Uh huh. Like you're just yeah. like, why? Well, I wonder what he does when he's alone, and you're like, how about he's alone? Uh, Leave him alone. And why do you want to be in the boudoir with Russell Crowe at the Ritz else? Carlton? <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when you, you can could be, be with Maximus. Yeah. You know, and the Ludus, you know, and all that fun stuff. So, but yeah, he's played so many different, you know, characters. He's done the westerns, and he's done, you know, weird sci-fi things. And, and what was his weird sci-fi one? Uh, Virtuosity with Denzel Washington. Oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, that yeah. was did Denzel great, the bad guy? Uh, no, no De- Russell was the bad guy. Yeah. Russell Crowe was the bad guy. Okay, and then they did American Gangster, and then Denzel was the bad guy. Oh, so Flipsy, that was a, Trixie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. So um, I ran a fan fiction website called Isabel's Lair for five years, and <laughs> awesome I've written name. over a million words of fan fiction. So, so yeah. So wow. Um, and what uh, what's your the thing is like I know people who do who write fan fiction, right, um, right. and um, I actually have a friend who writes Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, uh, fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> See anything you can imagine, right? It's, and it's all there. I think, and but what she what she really wants to do is she wants to write scripts and books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and but it, I think it's an excellent like exercise. It's a great way to learn how to write. It's a great way to learn how to craft a story, how to create characters, and how to create like tension, an arc and, and the whole arc. And and did you, you get feedback from oh, the others? And, absolutely. Yeah, you post it right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that was what hooked me. Is I I wrote my first story about Maximus. The webmistress that I submitted it to, you know, said it was fabulous. Oh, there. And then the next day, I look at my email box and I've got fan mail, and I was completely hooked after. Right, right, right. And so that's the fun thing is that you really find you can find a great community of supportive people who are all into the same thing, yeah, and who like to you know comment on each other's work. We can work collaboratively, do that kind of thing, right? Um, But it can also be a very uh, tense kind of community be, as well. A lot of jealousy. A little backbiting. It gets can, a little high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there anonymity? Can like, can, can people, can people post anonymous troll kind of crap or? Um, it depends on where, you know, your usually, boards are, that and, kind of thing. And people usually monitor those boards, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, especially for the, the erotic fan fiction, a lot of it is members only. Okay. Um, so yeah, so you have to sort to of protect the innocent, use a pseudonym and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, but um, but I mean, it it was for me, it was a great exercise for actually discovering what I really wanted out of life. Now, what do you really want out of life? What I really want out of life is just to 
do what I need to do. I mean, I to actually live your life more fully, more fully. Yeah. Because especially women so often you're always living for everybody else. You know, you got to get your kids to school. You got to get your husband fed, you know, all this stuff. You put yourself last. The fan fiction was something I did just for me. Right. And from that, I was able to kind of uh, just develop myself and what I really wanted out of life a little bit more. Do you still um, read? Oh yeah, uh, fan fiction. Um, not so much because uh, our little community kind of went off to do other things. Okay. Um, but um, you do you know, still keep in touch with those people though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're still I, friends. And I stuff. met friends from all over the world, from England, Australia, Indonesia. Um, you know, traveled lots of places to meet people, and um, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, still have some really good friends. And whenever Russell's band plays, we usually congregate. Oh really? So it's like a what's a his convention. band? His band is a uh, um, oh god, it's Toe Fog. Uh, it's now, spelled, it's, it's TOF. That's the name of it? T-O-F-O-G. Um, All right. And it stands for something? The, oh God. It's, it's just totally flying out of my head. It'll be, it'll be back in a minute. Isn't it odd feet of grunts or something? Yeah. yeah it's 30 something. odd foot of grunts. And then now it's the something fear of God. Is, I, is I the sec, is another band that he's in? He, he's, he has long band names like my band name. That's, <laughs> that's why she was attracted to me. Exactly. Like, like hard to say and remember ba- band names that if it wasn't for Russell Crowe throwing things at, at publicists, sure. they would get spelled wrong on the marquees and on the publicity and see, with all Bob, the time. I did find my own celebrity. I did find my own gladiator. I did find my own yeah, band, yeah. uh, you know, rock star. Uh, yeah, so. You guys are adorable. <laughs> Yay. So. I like it. Uh, so do you do you write at all anymore? Oh yeah, I, I work as a technical writer, so I write right. all day. I write software manuals, which is not really interesting. I always wonder if I slipped in a little fan fiction to the manuals, <laughs> would somebody notice and and would it get more hits? <laughs> exactly. Erotica in yeah. the she used to edit a uh, video toaster user magazine. Yes, so way that, back in the day. What is that? That was, that was one of my first jobs. That's the um, Amiga video toaster uh, technology that that was one of the first video editing systems. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that was that was my first job out of college. There okay. are definitely listeners to this program who yes. will know what that is. Yeah, right. and they'll go, it, "Woo, video toaster! What the hell is it called?" It, it, it's it's a video toaster. So it's the the company was Amiga. They made it and, and Commodore. Commodore, right. Commodore, the Commodore, Commodore had their 64. pro model. 64. Yeah. The Commodore 64 people and made so, a toaster? It's an actual bread toaster. No, no. it's okay. the, They just call it the video toaster because it's a video editing system and makes it much oh, okay. easier to create television shows. Oh, okay. And so it's now video- you can do it all on your Mac, you know, and it's it's super easy to do. But right. before that, you had a video toaster. Okay. And, um, and it was its own program and own It was its piece own of machine. Machine, yeah. yeah. Hardware. Right, exactly. If you weren't George George Lucas and you couldn't afford a silicon graphics workstation mm-hmm. you had mm-hmm. a video toaster so yeah. like early digital effects from the 90s were you know like maybe like the first episodes of Hercules and Xena would use uh, you know yeah. could have very well used this thing oh, okay right. okay yeah. all right before final cut was yes. so pervasive yeah. and easy and, to and just I have. was an editor of the magazine, which means I wasn't a technical user of the device, so I couldn't tell you so how to you use it. you have to learn how to use the de- use the software before you it write helps. it, right? It helps if you can. But <laughs> what you do is you have your subject matter experts, your SMEs that you uh, talk yes. to. They explain it to you, and then you're able to write it. So. Okay, and then you take a lot of notes. Right, exactly. And you're like, okay, I okay, get it. I, I get, get it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, you grabbed uh, some fan fiction about Kojak. Well, it's actually a book, but <laughs> there was a time when you could like it's it's okay it's telly savalas kojak a very deadly game kojak cracks the manhattan connection <laughs> so like if rosie was um 
20, 30 years older, she would probably like have gotten a job writing right. the equivalent of fan fiction. There's sort of the novelization of, of television. Yes. But, but, and, and like an extra episode. Right. right? Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. They they had Star Trek. The Star Trek novels and Star Wars novels are still Are going essentially on. those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they've had, I've seen 5.0 novels. I've seen canon. Right. Like I think they did, get, <laughs> you know, anything was, you know, Bonanza novels and things. So When I would walk into a bookstore when I was a kid and I would see the, the Star Wars novelizations, I'd go, hey, that's my job. <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. So I, I can do I, that. I can do that. Exactly. Yeah. I have done that. So right. that, exactly. that was what I always assumed my job was going to be, was going to be writing the Star Wars novelizations. But. Very nice. I used to uh, write myself into um, an episodic Tarzan movie. That's always fun. Uh, I always loved the tar- the Johnny Weissmiller. I'm yeah. a, a big fan of the Tarzan movies. To uh, the Angala. Angala! Angala! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my that's, god, there's an elephant charging through the that's, room. That's how know? we hurt our cats. Yeah. <laughs> Ungawa. Ungawa. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That was a was the only it was the only African I knew back in the day. <laughs> yeah. It was a beautiful language. And then uh, I I did I did read um in junior high I read uh, these Merc books. They were about mercenaries in Africa. And oh. I was always like, you know, really make this really work out really well. Yeah. Tarzan. Tarzan. <laughs> Possibly put Tarzan into this ballet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> story of, of mercenaries. And did you ever have any erotic fantasies about Tarzan? I never did. No? I never did. I always uh I had a, an imaginary boyfriend uh and uh you know what? I think he was twelve. I think we were both twelve, and we both had motorcycles, and uh, and it was red. His That's was awesome. red. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I had a. Yeah, my my erotic fan uh, fantasy life was pretty lame because I think I was reading Barbara Cartland books in junior high, mm. which was a uh, Christian romance novels yes. where the last the last page they would get married and they would kiss. Yeah, uh, after they got married. After they got married, yeah. they would kiss, and then. Uh, I stopped reading them entirely because I was like, well, this is the lamest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> but I read what, all of them. Well, that, it's just called Twilight now, and they kind of put the spooky vampire thing into That's it. That's right. Yeah, very oh, are, chaste are, are they chaste? Well, are they're they... they're kind of Mormon, kind of Mormon vampires. Yeah. And yeah, is she Mormon? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You, do you know that the Mormons, every week we talk about Mormonism. It's weird <laughs> because they're writing more and more stuff and there seems to be a, there's a program to, to, for, um, young Mormon writers. Really? That the church is sponsoring, oh. uh, that, that will help you, um, it's science fiction. Orson Scott Card is a big, is a big proponent of it and, and he's helping people. And you know it's easy to mock the Mormons because you're like, well, you got to write some write some fiction. Go to the Mormons. They've right. they've been they've been writing it for not that long. And uh, you know, it, religion wise, nothing, nothing. Well, you guys? Um, okay. No, no, it's uh, the Mormons are the first. It's, it doesn't surprise me that they'd embrace science fiction because they are the first sci-fi cult. Because you go to the afterlife and you get to rule over your own planet, like John Carter, and- Warlord of <laughs> Mars, or something. Mormons are wonderful. Kind, nice. They're people. the nicest human being. Yeah. Just as a, there's the community is so it's so supportive right. and they're so helpful and they're so lovely. It's only the fringe that gets crazy. Yeah, but it's the fringe of everything. Are right. you kidding me? The fringe mm-hmm. of my family is slightly <laughs> odd and un- uncomfortable to we be around. We all understand the fringe around here. Well, the the, <laughs> the other um, well-known um, sci-fi sci-fi religion in uh, America is the Nation of Islam. Early on, it didn't really have under the, uh, under the honorable Elijah. Muhammad, it didn't have much to do with Islam in the Middle East. It was all about this uh, scientist on Atlantis named Dr. Yakub who That's created right. white people. And you know what? what? The only thing I knew about the Nation of Islam was from the autobiography of Malcolm X, which is the only thing I've ever read that sort of, and it was 
Malcolm X talking about the nation of Islam and talking about the doctor and a little bit with the, with the, the, the whites in some island off of Africa that had been sent there by the real people of the world. And <laughs> yeah. they're like, well, you're all albinos. You got to get out of here. And they were just, they were the white devil and they infected yeah. everything. And eventually there's supposed to be the mothership, which is kind of what's talked about in parliament funkadelic songs like the clones of Dr. <laughs> Funkenstein and stuff. The mothership is supposed to come and take all the black people away, you know, kind of almost this mm-hmm. heaven's gate mm-hmm. kind of thing. So what would be really rad... Was Heaven's Gate the people with the tennis shoes? Yes. yes. Okay, fair enough. What would be really, really, really rad is if the the Nation of Islam started sponsoring science fiction writers, because that is the sci-fi that I want to read. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? I There's, there's not... Um, I like the idea of just more black perspective science fiction out there, just in general. Oh, would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Well, there's this writer, I just kind of had a back and forth with him yeah. from the 70s named Charles Saunders, and he wasn't writing science fiction so much as sword and sorcery, and he created this kind of sub-Saharan Conan character called Imaro, and those are probably the best Conan... I don't want to call them ripoffs because I think, but the but best, like to, overly parallel. inspired by Robert E. Howard Conan kind of stuff out there are the, okay. are the Amaro stories, and the, you can buy them on Amazon. It's I and am, I will link that because that sounds. You know what? I used to read the Conan. Um, I say Conan like it's Conan O'Brien, but I mean it's Conan and <laughs> the Barbarian, uh, <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. You know. But I used to read those comic books because, um, the, but then there were too many series, yeah. and I stopped. I was like, I get it. Uh, you want? Uh, a, do you still read Conan? Um, I I read the novels. I you know I went through okay. this phase. I I like have tons of like I put them here for visual reference. These sure, 70s you, comics. You, you brought out some comics in, yeah. your, in your dining room. Yeah, very nice. So, very nice. Um, oh, you got you your Iron Man coffee okay. mug. You can uh, you can wax on. Conan, and I will look at your awesome old comic books. Something about writing books. I went through this phase where I started reading all the pulp fiction that I should have read when I was younger, but I was too busy reading comics. And now I have trouble reading comics, not to denigrate that medium. But, um, you know, I started reading all the, you know, I read Robert E. Howard when I was a kid, but I wasn't one of those kids buried in, in actual books. You know, it was like, I'd read maybe one Conan story and then start reading the comic books, the Conan Marvel comics okay. again. So I, like, I went through a phase where I was just reading Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, Robert E. Howard, and I was just, you know, finally just reading all this stuff. And it was like, I should have read this when I was 13, but now I'm reading all the, all the pulp fiction. And it wasn't tales, too late. So. You didn't feel like it was too late to get into it? No, not at all. No, good, I good. mean, because it cause stands I, up, you know? it doesn't hold up. Because yeah. um, I've never read any Lovecraft, but everybody keeps telling me that it, that it, it it you have to suspend your disbelief. But it is very fun. It's it's very fun. Yeah, yeah. I've but, just been reading Lovecraft lately. So okay, oh nice. new for me. All right, <laughs> Cthulhu, actually, all about Cthulhu. <laughs> see now, Robert E. Howard, who created Conan, was a contemporary of Lovecraft, and I still right. have trouble with Lovecraft because it's very throwbacky, nineteenth-century, overly long sentences kind of writing. It's a lot flower, it's very flowery language. Okay, you know, well, so is D. H. Lawrence. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you've tried to read that recently. I was trying to read smart books for a while. I was trying to read a lot of classics. And uh, the D.H. Lawrence um, was supposed to be a little porny for 1912. Right. right. And uh, and I and I was like, well, I like Lady a... Lady ro- That was the one yeah. I tried to read. That's and uh, yeah, I never got through it. Mm. I just tried again. 
Okay. I but, yeah, you know, Howard Howard still uses some of the Lovecraft concepts like these uh, eldritch creeping monsters in the pit, but you have Conan, you know, and he's got fuse, <laughs> he's got a giant of sword. steel yeah. and a sword Talk and he about- moves like a panther. Everybody in every Howard character, whether he's writing a western or he's writing a kind of sub-Saharan African adventure story or if it's Conan or if it's Solomon Kane who's a pilgrim who fights werewolves. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, so every all of them they everybody Moves like a panther with a surprising grace for a man of his brawn, you know, with muscles of corded steel. So, yeah, I guess it is like the latent homosexual in me, you know, that wants to. I need, <laughs> I need a guy it? to, you know, I need a guy in a loincloth. Well, so I got some stories for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, uh, all of Louis Lamour's characters for some reason would be trapped in a box canyon, and they'd have to like jam their fist into a crack in the wall and then muscle themselves up. That was the term. They would muscle wow. themselves up with one arm and then like uh it was like a rock climbing kind of situation where wow. you know the water's rushing in and they're they're climbing up the face of some rock box canyon but wow. yeah the, the the language it feels like i'm reading right now well i'm still reading i'm in book five of this uh civil war series this joseph Ulchuller wow. uh civil war series and um th- he, he at one point references uh He's constantly referencing things that are contemporary to him that don't make any sense for him to sort of mention in 1861. Do you like, know what he's mentioning? The Waltons or something? No, he was mentioning, well, he wrote it like the teens, right? Like 1910. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, but so he, it was what he was, who wrote, um, <laughs> it was, uh, not, Black Like Me, because that was written in the 60s and 70s, <laughs> but you go back further, and there was the one where, uh, the, uh pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Hmm. Do you remember that? No. Okay, whatever. So are we talking about, like, well, Richard Wright was the H- 30s. It was like an HL, it was a, uh, crying out what are you? What are you talking about? Like, um, Damon Runyon type stuff? Like, uh, like it, rags to riches kind of stories? It, it was the, ra- it was rags to riches. It might have been, it might have had the word rags in it. God yeah. dang it. Uh, uh, what I will do is, uh, people out, out there listening who are shouting at the, uh, the radio right now. Uh, I wish we could hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could hear you. There used to be. Wait, did you guys ever listen to the show when there was a chat room? No. Uh, uh yeah, the chat room was awesome because people were like, uh, hi, Jackie. That's that book. And, uh, it's, oh, wow. you know, like Upton Sinclair. It was a contemporary of Upton Sinclair and there was, um, there were a bunch of books about sort of the American experience and about how you could pull yourself up from your bootstraps. And so Ulchula references that. Oh, okay. And it's not apropos. Not not historically correct for the period right. that he's writing about. It right, would be yeah. like him referencing if he was writing in the 30s, but writing about the Civil War, him referencing Dale Carnegie and how yeah. to make friends and influence people right. or something. Or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, or, or the, the Great War. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> stop it. And, uh, yeah. You know, so. it's like the Watcher from, uh, the Fantastic Four is writing about it and is just overseeing all of history or something. I'm but, a crazy Watcher. You know, so we, you don't do any more comic books? Um, really? Or is I, it just. I know a lot of, it's weird. Like, I know a lot of people, like, uh, you, you interviewed Brubaker. I'm, I'm friends with him. But yeah, I just, you know what it is? It's like you said, there were too many different Conan comics. Right. Like, like I'll be reading Captain America and trying to catch up on that, but then there's all these other, like, there's the oh, Ultimates. That cro- and I, oh, I that can't crossover keep, thing? Or? I can't keep track of that stuff. Oh, I the just, Ultimates is a different universe, though, yeah, right? So you don't I, even have to go there. But it's, it, confu- it there's too much. I'm like, I feel like I'm 70 years old when I'm looking at a comic book store. I, 
I'm, you know. Yeah, Andy won't do, he, he, uh, he, he finds it offensive when the, when, when to know the whole story, you have to buy five different titles right. yeah. every month. And yeah. he's like, cause we buy, a, you know, we get a lot of comic books. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make us buy more comic books <laughs> because there's, you know, and, and at the, by the end of it, it all does converge on one. And, uh, so it's unnecessary that it, that it be so, so much of it. But, um, yeah, it's very, yeah, I, I mean, I might pick it back up again, but I, I, I always thought there would be a point where I could stop paying attention to pro wrestling again. And I can, <laughs> How's then that I coming start, along? Well, I keep end up, I end up writing about it, and then there's like, you know, because right, you have a blog on Salon that's pretty popular, right? It's uh, the Salon, the blog, yeah, and I, I write a lot about wrestling, and it's these very, very detailed, you know, like comparing John Cena's speech to Obama's State of the Union, and it's like <laughs> stuff that no one else is which, probably writing which about. Which strangely. Goes together. Yeah, they, they were, well, <laughs> she pointed yeah. it out. Like he sounds like, you know, he sounds you, like John Cena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I think. Which speech was that? It was not this year's State of the Union, but last year's sounded right. okay. uh, sounded a lot like like basically they were both, you know, I've let you down, but I'm coming back. You know, they were those guys, and they were very like you ran the quotes side by side, and <laughs> they were they were very similar, and it was just is Obama speechwriter from WWE? Yeah, yeah. He might be. He might be. There's a lot of crossover yeah, but definitely. you know what we haven't talked about yet is because i wrote one book and had a moderate you know moderate success with it sure you you think you can write more books but unfortunately i'm writing nonfiction, so it's like i have to do something else crazy so last year i was going oh, right. to conventions almost every weekend and you, i'm working on oh the conventions God. and book. that's why and that's why i wanted to have you on the show because when you first described the fact that you just love going to conventions because you're like a gathering of like-minded people that, well, that's the reason everybody you know, it got to be kind of boring because you're like, you're writing this book and it's like, why do people go to conventions? And whether I was at a gun show or whether I was at the Twilight Convention in Portland or the Bigfoot Convention, the Bigfoot Conference in Santa Cruz. Yeah, you Santa were at the Cruz. Bigfoot Convention the last time I was up in the, in the Bay Area. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. do Dork Forest because right. we were in a forest with dorks <laughs> talking about Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot. So and how big was the Bigfoot Convention? It was like in a person's house, kind of like a backyard. It was oh, totally really? like, yeah. There's it, the it's the Bigfoot Discovery Museum. Yeah, in, in, it's a where, where is it? What's what's the town? It's like not Davenport. It's or, Ben Lomond. Ben Lomond, in, yeah. over by Santa Cruz on the marches to Santa Cruz. It's a great little museum. Full of really cool the, stuff. The Bigfoot Museum? Yeah. yeah the Bigfoot yeah. Discovery Center Museum, I think it's called. Yeah. All right. They have lots of cast footprints. They have some baby Bigfoot cast footprints. But they also uh, have, like, bric-a-brac, like, the $6 million man action figure with, uh, with the from, Bigfoot. from the 70s. Oh, right, right. And, like, Bigfoot Viewmasters and Bigfoot. Okay. Bigfoot uh, comic books where, like, you know, the Hulk is fighting some furry creature that looks kind of like Bigfoot, so they'll include the cultural references to the Sasquatch as well. Sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. But they at that thing, we were in, like, basically a backyard. You know, it was basically the museum's a house and there's backyard with those uh, plastic chairs. Right. And so they're having a conference, and what was really funny to me was that they start to be concerned about things that, if you believe that Bigfoot exists, this is what a rational person would be worried about because they were like going on this long tangent back and forth in this kind of round robin discussion with the experts and the Bigfoot hunters with if we discover Bigfoot, 
are is he going to have endangered species protection or are they, they going to put him on a reservation yeah, they were very oh, concerned they about the sasquatch and... reservations right oh and, it's and a protecting species yes 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 species and they that, were dead man, serious yeah they were very serious but then it's kind of like for a while it's like okay this is not unreasonable if we accept the premise <laughs> that this this sasquatch could be and there. you've come to their convention you're in their house so right, you're yeah. like right. okay fine. and then there were the people who thought that bigfoot rode on ufos and he traveled through time and and that's why nobody's oh. ever found him and that kind right. of thing so there time was yeah, there was there was there before. were very you know rational discussions going on with very fringe elements as well Excellent. As, as in any community or and so there were 40 people there rational. Right. what do you yeah, think like maybe yeah 30 or 40 i mean okay the one metric usually when i would cover a convention or when i'm writing about a convention for the book it's like comic-con we had 150,000 people at comic-con in san diego or there were 40,000 people at WonderCon. with the bigfoot convention the only the conference the only metric for its attendance was we sold more hot dogs and hamburgers than we ever have before you know because they had a little barbecue which, going sure. which was very charming yeah, yeah i mean it, it really felt a tiny con is charming it sounds very it sounds off awesome. very inclusive community they right, were right. wonderful people so you've been to the bigfoot convention what other conventions have well, you been to see the bigfoot convention was me kind of making amends with conspiracy theorists because i was at a conspiracy con earlier in the year which was probably I mean, it was almost so bad that I was wishing I was back at the Republican convention that I was at with Meg Whitman and Mitt Romney. Like, because That's there was pretty this, bad. The it con- was even crazier than the Republican convention? It was like, basically the conspiracy con was what the team... What city was that in? Which, which you in, think would be like an X-Files kind of convention where people want to find UFOs and that kind of thing. Well, it's all been co-opted by those people who believe in the, the reptilians. 9/11. Oh, the reptilians? Yeah, it was all... so. But they, they had this... Um, the first thing I walk into the conspiracy con, which was in Santa Clara, which was okay. almost like in the same... I suppose host- you sort of live in... It, this is sort of a ground zero of, of, of some, some conventions. Cause peop- cause Lots it's of a conventions big, going on. It's California. a big city. Yeah. Cal- you know, between Vegas and then California. Right. San Francisco's in the, always in the top ten of conventions mm-hmm. um, because of Moscone Center. So a lot of the tech conventions like Macworld, Oracle World, those are in San Have Francisco. You been, do you go to those, too? I, I was to... at Macworld last year, which, okay. was, which was probably the most boring one I was at. Okay. And it kind of kept me from going to other tech ones. Fair enough. It's like, I, you know, the gun show, I can write about the gun show, you know? Right, right. Did you get to... Did, did, did the... Do they have? Can you shoot stuff at the gun show? Well, no, you could, but you could walk out of there. That was the funny thing about the conspiracy con is they were going on about this loss of freedom. The, the, the conspiracy con, what I was going to say was, oh, right. it was basically the Tea Party without the gentle guiding hand of the Republicans. You know? Oh my God! You know, it's yeah. like if the Tea Party was was not manipulated was by by you know um, Newt Gingrich or something. That's the real grassroots of the Tea Party. <laughs> it's but, like, it, it, but so it's is it mostly right wing? or left-wing the conspiracy or does it feel like it's on so anarchic on I really felt that it was definitely heavily leaning towards the kind of right-wing libertarian thing I mean the first thing I saw but then there's the alternative medicine side which is more the left yeah, that's all. It's all bundled together. There was an together. alternative medicine side of the conspiracy. Yeah. Account? Well, yeah. I talked to the DVD guy, the guy selling DVDs about you know UFO conspiracies yeah. and the Kennedys and all basically any conspiracy theory you can think of. He had a DVD about okay. like a really badly produced one. And I asked him, <laughs> Hey, are you into this stuff? Which What's your favorite conspiracy? He goes, I don't care. 
And I'm oh like, like, well, I just sell the, I just sell the movies to these people. And I'm like, well, besides this convention, you know, not, there aren't a hundred conspiracy cons. Where else right. do you go? And he goes, well, you know, there's another UFO show I go to out in, uh, you know, Texas, uh, or- Nevada. Right. And, uh, wasn't in Vegas, but it, you know, um, but yeah, he was like in Reno or somewhere, but he was like, I, I mostly go to the herbal medicine shows, the alternative medicine shows. And that's where I sell these, you know, with the crystals and yeah. right, right, right. Kind of healing, yeah, yeah. All kinds of stuff. So it wasn't part of the conspiracy con, just the guy who sold the DVDs. He also went to the alternative. I've been to one of those alternative. I've done a couple of those because I used to sell hippie skippy t-shirts and posters and stuff. Okay. And so I've been to like a lot of environmental con- uh, conventions and gatherings and, and the, the crystal clutchers mm-hmm. and their, and, and the rattle the moon, you know, right. look at the moon, rattle the bones kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the first thing I saw at the conspiracy con, the first lecture was from this bigoted Texas preacher who was, who was doing a speech about Satan. Satanic Jews. And so he's like starting to talk about, you know, it was really getting into kind of Himmler, Hitler, Goring stuff because he starts to, he's talking about the elders of Zion, of course. And the great plan and all this stuff of the Jews. And, but they're, they're satanic because they're descended from Lucifer himself. And so it was this Texas wow. preacher named wow. something Mars. His last name was Mars. I, I, it might have even been Tex Mars, which I, I don't know if I'm misremembering. Prefect or 107. But he starts <laughs> really talking funny. about all of the white people who are Jews or maybe part Jewish. And I'm sorry if you're, if you're Central European at all, you're, you probably have some Jewish heritage, you know. Especially if you immigrated forcibly. Yes. Yeah. In the, in the 40s, 30s, and the 50s. Yeah. He's like, Hillary Clinton. And then the audience, Hillary Clinton, Jew. And then he starts just, you know, Rahm Emanuel, whoever, like any, anybody. Everybody was a Jew. But the crowd started going, Jew. He'd say a name. And they were chanting? Yes. They would say a name of some, some political figure, you know, George Soros. Jew. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, I was like, I kind of like, uh, I wanted to stab this guy. So that was my introduction to it. <laughs> After him yeah. was a hippie guy who was talking about, I saw a flying saucer as big as seven aircraft carriers flying over Ukiah, California. And, you know, so they went into that, but it was all kind of linked together. And it was the same crowd. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent. I'm sure, I'm sure there was some turnover, but that's insane. Wow. So that was like when I went to the Bigfoot con, I'm like, uh, you know, it's like I went to a rodeo to make amends with right wingers and I went to the Bigfoot conference to kind of like, I need to find like something a palate good cleanser about kind of this, thing. this segment of society. So right. I need to find the, the gentle kind of. You went to the Bigfoot to see the kinder, gentler uh, yeah. side of, 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 of conspiracy. conspiracy crazies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, fans. But, but yeah, Drugs. you know, the, the conspiracy con actually had me missing talking to like Daryl Issa after a while. <laughs> Who's Daryl Issa? He's a San Diego congressman who like I was, I had a press pass for the Republican convention from Salon. So I was like in the press room and these people, these horrible people that, you know, he's on Bill Maher a lot. So, okay. Right. You know, you I don't have HBO. There. Okay. Yeah. He's the chairman of what? <laughs> I forget. I'd have to look. Yeah. He's the chairman a of committee? the House Oversight Committee. Yeah. Uh, you know, committee. But yeah. I had to spend, are you familiar with who Andrew Breitbart is? Nope. Um, nope. He's kind of, <laughs> there, there are buildings full of people who I don't know. Who okay. they are. <laughs> he's, he's Matt Drudge Jr. Kind of. He's like a. He's one of these uh, right wing web people, and he has a very popular slate of websites. Okay, so I, I feel like he might have been on Colbert, The Daily Show, and uh, yeah, yeah. He, I had to spend the day with. They him talk and a lot about Lisa. him. Okay. Yeah. So the conspiracy con made me miss hanging out with those guys. Right. Those, at least those guys, when you would talk to them, they wouldn't. They at least you can understand their rationale more 
more or less. Mm-hmm. You but know, they had a rationale. Yeah. How about that? At the Republican convention. Okay. So I'm like out in front. And there's this van circling the parking lot, and it it has all this text on it, and it was all running into each other. And there on one side it said "Mad Fag for Christ," and I realized after a while, after seeing the Obama bumper sticker, that he was protesting the Republican convention, and they just allowed him to do this. And I'm about to flag him down to talk to him to get the get his story. Right. But then Mitt Romney drove up in his limo because he was giving away the bride. He was giving away Meg Whitman to the people <laughs> of California. She, she just ran for governor of California, lost, but spent $160 million to do this. Yeah, right. that was the record of yeah. the money spent. <laughs> Um, she lost to Jerry Brown, who, you know, is the subject of a dead Kennedy song. So, you right. know, he, uh, but uh, anyway, it was just so funny because I'm like, this guy's probably going to be the front runner for the re- the nomination to run Mitt against Romney, Obama. Yeah. Not the Mad Fag. And they're just letting the MFF, uh, yeah. C, um, just <laughs> so drive around. So did you ever around. get to talk to him or? No, I, I, I was kind of done with crazy by the time I ran into him right. again. Like, I got, distracted. I got distracted by Romney coming out because he didn't have any security. So I was like hoping to flag him down and talk to Mitt Romney then. Did I, you get to? No, he just made his way as quickly as possible to the elevators. Right, so I followed them to the elevators, but they were, I was in a suit, but they were still, I had my hair all long, so they were still kind of like, who's this, uh, who's this chubby Charles Manson guy, you know, following <laughs> Mitt Romney. So Fair enough. I, then I saw the, then I was about to go back outside, but there was a bar between me and the outside, so I went to the bar. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's been an hour, first oh, of all. it has. Yeah. That's amazing. It oh. is. See, I told you guys before we started. I'm like, <laughs> an hour will go by, oh, and yeah. you will say to yourself, "What? Wait, we didn't even talk about anything." I know. Uh, just sort of, just tell me a couple of fun other, other like rattle off, like because I know you've been to like twelve conventions in the last year, oh, at probably least more like twenty. Um, uh, you know what? My hope for humanity, and I'll leave the dork forest with this uh, pending editing. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you know, my hope for because there's a lot of irrational irrationality, and pending even editing. even like going to uh, the steampunk convention, like they tend to worship or not worship, but they tend to admire the Victorian era, and they admire basically a society that was really classist. Right. You know that we, you know they, you know when I talk to steampunks, oh, we like it because you you had servants and you didn't have to do anything, and I'm like, well, if you if if you're a managing director at Goldman Sachs, you can still have that. You, you know, can the, still you know, have that. it's true. There's... Did, did you ever go to a, a, an Indian caste system con? That'd no. be awesome. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> wow. The Untouchables, yeah. the Star Trek, the Trekkies are still like they. You know, I, I, we, me and Rosie get into the Star Trek versus Star Wars arguments. It's like our, <laughs> it's like our arguments. Instead of we're both Democrats, but instead of having the, I'm voting for Mitt Romney, I'm voting for, you know, it's like no, Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. That's How our, can you say that's that? our religious, yeah, argument. that's our religious <laughs> argument. <laughs> How do you raise the kids? Uh, I'm Star Catholic. Trek or Star she's Wars. Lutheran. I'm right. Star Wars. She's Star. She's I'm Star Trek. She's Star Wars. But the Trekkies, you know, because they were concerned with science. Like their big gripe against Obama and politics. Kind of 2010s the year America went nuts, so politics kept creeping into things. Was that at the Star Trek convention? Yeah. Was that the defunding of the space program? Right. And, okay. And the lack of man. You know, the years that were going by without manned space travel, and if we can get back manned space travel, and you know. All the black ladies that were dressed like either Uhura or the Whoopi Goldberg character, and right. you know, oh, I'm from St. Louis and I'm a medical tech, and you know, they just believed in that egalitarian, um, right, right. The, race-free, the peace, peace class-free, yeah, yeah, logic, sure, logic as Science. opposed to what the Tea Party and the conspiracy con were into. So, right. so 
Yeah, if there's any hope for America, I believe it's the Trekkies. And that's, it's, it's the Star Trek convention. It was your favorite yeah. convention this year? Um, you know, my favorite convention was the NAM show, which NAM is this very unfortunately named organization, the National Association of Music Merchants. And it's the trade show for basically the music equipment manufacturers. Right. But they will have like Santana or Ted Nugent, and they're basically in a conference room in the Anaheim Convention Center. Oh, okay. And they're demoing the equipment. Oh, Okay. And, and putting on a show. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you're seeing a short set by Ted Nugent where he doesn't talk about right-wing politics because he's like in the in between songs he'll be like – he's like a Maytag, a guy at a appliance show right. showing you a washing machine because he's like, look at the, where this – I love where the volume knob is on the Paul Reed Smith <laughs> guitar. This volume knob is kick-ass. And then he plays like Stranglehold or Cat Scratch Fever or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you, know, did you go to any of those kind of conventions like where there's uh, like a car convention or a uh, – um, well, Macworld's kind of one of those kinds right. of shows. And it, I, there's like political conventions, industry conventions, and fan conventions. Yeah. Okay. Those are like your categories of conventions. Uh, fair enough. I tried to get in to the Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons Convention at Moscone Center in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't like people doing reconstructive surgery on accident victims. It right, was people... it, was, it wasn't cleft palate surgery. Yeah. Yeah, boob jobs. Get rid of yeah. some neck action. And I wanted to see the, you know, see the vendors going, look at this latest, feel this breast and feel this breast, you know. Uh, I, I you wanted didn't to get see in? it. No, um, I had a friend who worked, who was a teamster, who, who was one of these guys who assembles the, uh, he shall go name. Oh, right. Who assembles the um, trade show displays and the right. booths and things. And he was like, um, I'll get you in. Don't worry. I'll get you in. But there was a problem. Right. And, you know, I show up in a suit because I'm there to, like, sit in the back of the conference and talk to doctors. And, and blend. Blend. Yeah, blend. Yeah. But he's like, he sends me down this dark hall of Moscone, which this, out of being at so many conventions, this was the one time I got to be in the bowels of the convention. You know, part yeah. you're not supposed to be. Right. There's people's lockers. It looks like the locker room for, like, cops and cop shows where they have their <laughs> lockers. And, you know, that's where the Teamsters are and, the, you know, and everybody who works and the people who work in food services. So he sends me down this long, dark hall. It's not lit at all. And he goes, if anybody asks you why you're here, just say you're with local whatever, you know, right. the, the, the local. And I run into this. He was old. He was an old guy, but he was a security guard, this German security guard. He goes, why are you here? You know, and it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm with local, I'm with local 789. And he's like, he looks me up and down. I'm in a nice suit and tie. And no, he's you're just not. not <laughs> no, you're not. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go talk to my shop steward. And so I walk down the hall and I walk down a corridor that, that is a dead end. And, and, and then I poke my head back out and I could see him like, you know, a few yards away and he's got a bunch of his buddies there. They're pointing oh. at me and it's like a Hitchcock movie. You're and I just busted. start, you know, they're old. So they start walking towards me. And, and it's even, like, what would Rockford do? Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to run, but I just walk briskly. <laughs> James Garner, Rockford? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> we don't have any, we don't have any, have any fan fiction about that. James Garner, but so yeah, they're, they're like they're after me soon. and I don't want to go to jail. Right. And, and so I'm like, every door I came to was an emergency exit and I didn't want to go out those because then cops and firemen would show up. So I finally end up going up this ramp, you know, and, uh, you know, this loading ramp and, you know, some guys on a forklift waving at me as I'm walking out onto Folsom Street in San Francisco. And then I cross the street to this place called Yerba Buena Gardens, which is kind of above Moscone. Moscone's underground. So if you're ever at WonderCon or Macworld, one of these conventions they have there, and there's an earthquake, we're all buried, you know? Oh, okay. And yeah, you can dig us it, out. It's a good thing to know. Remember where the exits are. <laughs> but there was the Filipino-American Festival. Yay! 
And there was all this Did weird cubist Manny. It was just there, so of course I went. All this weird cubist Manny Pacquiao art. I, I swear to God. Okay. Manny Pacquiao is a boxer, boxer, famous yeah. boxer right now. Okay. Are you uh, Filipino? No. no. Okay. Because you just because oh, you just cheered. I cheered because we live in Daly City, it's, and, oh, and it's enough. a Filipino 60% town. 60% Filipino. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So, all right. um, so I think I'm an but, honorary Filipino. And, uh, <laughs> excellent. Gavin Newsom, our California's current lieutenant, lieutenant governor. governor and mayor of San Francisco at the time, walked through, and you know, so I started taking pictures of him, and you know, got distracted by the Filipino American Festival, and you know, and good sure. food. And yeah, good food. it was just like so. Every corner there was a, you know, I get chased out in this kind of Alfred Hitchcock movie way right. from one gathering, and then it's a festival. It's not really a convention, but there's another thing. I yep. just go across the street. Like when I was at the steampunk convention, there was a Pentecostal revival in the same convention center, yeah, so right. I just went to to see what that was like. They right. let me in because I they were they had music. They had Welcome, music going on there, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> man. I just want, I just heard the music and I, I just feel I need to be hey, here. Hey man, did and, you, did you just hear the music yeah, and you just felt they, like you had to be part of it? Yeah, but they said, come on in, brother. Please come, come on in. in. Yeah, that's it, lovely. It was Latino, uh, Pentecostal, so it was, I couldn't tell it's when they were in speaking Spanish. in tongues because oh, it was right, all in right. Spanish. Oh, right, right. They could have been all speaking in tongues. Yeah, they could I have been all a, speaking in Spanish. Yes. I, like, unfortunately, mm. I'm only unilingual, so I'm an idiot. Right, you right. Know? It'd be nice to be multilingual. Yes. I've got some, some really bad French uh, that nobody needs to be party to. But uh, <laughs> and when we were at uh, WrestleMania, they have these WrestleMania fan fests, right? which are kind of like conventions for wrestling nerds. Yeah. You get autographs and yeah. you get to pose That's, with the belt. And that sounds that like a thing. convention. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's not just the show with lots of fan activities around Excellent. the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, inductees were yeah, that we was in that Phoenix. And Excellent. We went to see the Undertaker speak. You know, it was a speech, a night, of, <laughs> a night, a conversation with the Undertaker. <laughs> but across the street, like the Phoenix Convention Center's taken over three quarters of downtown Phoenix. So there's different buildings. The Benny Hinn, uh, the uh, revival. Yeah, the Benny yeah. Hinn revival. You know, and he's one of these pastors that heals people. Okay. And I, we didn't go to that. She, Rosie was there to have fun. Right. So like, I'm like <laughs> my vacation. I, I'm like, I drag me out to every crazy you know, gathering of humans yeah we're we're arguing on the hotel she's like i want to stay at the ritz carlton it's well under 200 dollars a night because that's how bad phoenix is hurting right and i'm like no we have to stay at the lousiest hotel because i need you know it's this it's this artist writer conceit that i, I need something to write about so if i stay at a <laughs> shitty hotel right, right there's going to be more to write about how, how about we stay at a nice hotel and then you go to the shitty hotel <laughs> during the day i'll yeah. see you later i well, didn't go with him to every convention so the no? one that we went to i wanted to stay at yeah hotel. right right what what uh which ones did you go to I went to the Star Trek convention in Vegas. Right. That was probably my most fun one. Right. And we went to Bigfoot. And yeah, I've been to several of them, but not yeah. all of them. He went to the National Association of Music Merchants by himself. She right. sacrificed uh, her birthday for the Bigfoot conference. That's so. for the true. Bigfoot conference. It was my birthday. Yes. That is, that it was, is it was a present, though. It was a long day, but it was a present. It was fun. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, that, that's, you know, I, that was the best thing anybody's ever done for me is like... <laughs> You know what that is? It's true love. Yeah. Rosie, what I want to know is uh, what book, uh, movie, website, t what, what television program, what would you recommend uh, p listeners out there uh, should should read or, or enjoy? Do you have anything to, what, what are you reading now? Anything good? Oh, I'm I'm reading a collection of Lovecraft stories, uh, the, the Cthulhu mythology. Oh, are you reading the Cthulhu um, mythology? What, what is? 
The, it's uh, it's Tales called... of the Cthulhu Mythos, and it's one of those. Right. It has Lovecraft, but it also has like Robert E. Howard and right. Clark Ashton so Smith. So it's and... like a community that's sharing the universe um, and the mythology of Cthulhu to write these different stories, and it's kind of similar to what I was doing with my writing group with the fan fiction. So it, okay, it's... but but it was published but they're, they're in they're the 30s it, or yeah. 20s yeah. or yeah. 30s through the 60s or 70s. Like there there's authors that just write tales of the Cthulhu Mythos. So um, uh, Robert Block, who wrote Psycho, wrote. Cthulhu Mythos stories. Robert E. Howard, who wrote, created Conan, was a contemporary of Lovecraft. Right, but right. Uh, August Derleth, Clark Ashton Smith, who was kind of more of a, a later writer than so they're all Lovecraft. in that book. They're all in that they're book. I that like book. their Cthulhu stories better than I like Lovecraft. And oh, I do know you? that Cthulhu is going to send an eldritch creeping horror to, to dissolve <laughs> to my body. You. The stench of a thousand graves. Yes, to, because I said that. I <laughs> yes. know I'm going to to sci-fi science fiction horror writer hell right for for that statement. Now, but. Bob, I wrote down that you enjoyed uh, the Charles Saunders and that you and and you mentioned about a thousand things that we should we could oh, all I'm read sorry. and enjoy no no that's perfect <laughs> ooh, it's great ooh, tell them uh, our lady of darkness oh you know what there, there's this one story you know because a good one to read in san francisco it's by fritz lieber uh um science fiction writer of the pulp days of from the 30s through the 70s uh through the 80s and he wrote yeah. this story called our lady of darkness and it takes place in san francisco in the 70s it came out in 78 and basically san francisco it, itself the, the buildings is the a is character? the haunting spirit of the story? Yeah, so and he calls ghosts paramentals, and it's got a really oh. neat, um, intricate inside backstory. Okay, um, so I think anybody who you know likes San Francisco is from San Francisco needs to read this book. Okay, I just loved it, and now we call our house Paramental Central. <laughs> so. Well, you guys, uh, this has been fantastic. Oh, I have you. had a lovely time in your house, which is lovely. This has been great. And uh, uh, Daily City is very nice. I went to the Starbucks before I came here. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's uh, this is this is I have learned a great deal. And uh, thank you so much, everybody out there, for listening. And thanks for your good works. Be nice to each other. Goodbye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?